Hello, everyone out there in listener land. You are about to hear a very special episode of Make Believe Champions. We are very excited to finally get back to you guys. I know it's been a while. We've had a few special episodes here and there, uh, but it's been quite a while since the end of Season 4. So as I drop this Part 1 of our 12th Make Believe Champions adventure, I wanted to give a little update. A couple of things. First of all, in regards to Make Believe Champions, if you've been on our Patreon recently, or if you've emailed me, I've had some emails from a few fans, uh, you may have noticed that we have made a change to the way our Make Believe Champions tier uh, patronage works. We have, up to now, recorded an episode of MBH in canon with our cast uh, that we released as an episode as a part of the MVH story for each of our Make Believe Champions patrons. Uh, that has changed since we are entering into Season 5. We will now only be offering the Champions tier as a non-canonical, non-recorded one-shot of Dungeons & Dragons. I know that may be disappointing to some people, but the truth of the matter is, for now, while we are just trying to finish up Season 5, it's just going to be very difficult to sort of squeeze that in. We still have a few people who booked their Champions game before we made that change. For those listeners, uh, those patrons, we will still be recording and playing and doing all that just as we promised. But for any new people who come and join at the Maple Leaf Champion tier on our Patreon, we will play D&D with you. Uh, we will even record it if you want us to, like a video recording on Skype, so you can have it for your own purposes forever. Uh, but we won't be editing it, releasing it as a special episode and that sort of stuff, just because we don't have the time to actually fit it into the story as we are approaching the launch of Season 5, which will be our final season of this story. We're not ready to talk about what may or may not come after that just yet, but I will tell you this. Season 5 is just around the corner. Our plan is to launch with the first episode of Season 5 in April 2023, right smack dab in the middle of spring, which uh, which just really just fits uh, for this final season of this story of make-believe heroes. So you can look forward to that in around a month, maybe a little less or a little more, depending on just how the scheduling falls. But it won't be long, and you'll be hearing us again on our regularly weekly scheduled programming. We love you guys. We hope you enjoy this very fun episodes with some special guests. We'll see you soon. This will be a D&D podcast where geeky fans get to play with real make-believe hero players and a make-believe champions D&D adventure. We are, are the, the queens, queens and, and we, we are, are those geeky fans. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Make Believe Champions, uh, Make Believe Heroes, the podcast of your heart and mine. This is a D&D podcast, 5th uh, edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure for all ages, and we're here with a very special edition of our Champions games with some old friends and some new friends. I'm the new friend. No, you're old friend. <laughs> I'm not old. You're not it's old. A walker. You're it's not old. Around. You're an old friend. 
we are excited to play some Dungeons and Dragons with our new and old friends. So why don't we just real quickly go around and introduce ourselves? My name is Alan. I'm playing Brackle. Brackle's back. Whoop, whoop. Brackle's backle. Um, Gosh. I'm Felicia, and I'm gonna be playing Meg. Meg. There she is. There the she giant is. shark. Yep. Meg. <laughs> that would be so awesome. I don't want to do that. No. And I am Chris. I'm one of the new friends, and I will be playing Perrin Fallowhide. Perrin. Welcome, friend. Chris. I am Emily, and I will be playing Clover Wormwood. Ooh. Cool. Clover. Cool. That's a cool name. I'm Ellie, and I'm going to be playing Phelan Silvervale. Phelan. Oh, is Phelan yeah. an elf? Mm-hmm. That's a very elvish name. Yes, it is. Clover's <laughs> a very gnomish name. And Perrin is a very halfling name. These are great names. Great names. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting these characters as we play some Dungeons and Dragons and hopefully not leaving you all too horribly traumatized. <laughs> Apparently, I have a I have a reputation. I've been hearing. Is that true? I don't think so. Okay. Thanks for having my but back. But I'm a suck up. <laughs> That's well, what I've been called. <laughs> thank you for letting me know that your vote of confidence no, is worth I think, absolutely I think, nothing. I think, I, think, I think you're great. Okay, good. All right. Are you guys ready to play some D&D? Oh, yeah. So ready. Mm-hmm. So ready. <laughs> all right. Well, we are excited to play D&D with you all. Happy that you're here with us. And I'm going to begin by rolling a large blue 20-sided die. It's a three. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I don't know if that's good or bad. Three is a magic number. It is a magic number, according to three, Schoolhouse six, nine, Rock. 12, 15, 18. Okay. I think it's good. Uh, let's, 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 uh, let's do this. Let's get started. Here we go. It is early morning at the western waterfront in the city of Brightport. The sun has already begun its morning ascent, but it's hidden behind thick clouds in the overcast sky. The ports are nearly full as seafarers mill about their docks, busying themselves with their dock work. There's a sleepy air over the wharf as the heavy cloud cover sets a dreary expectation for the day ahead. At the entrance to the East Harbor, a great pavilion stands to the north side of the road. Various folks mill in and about, eating their breakfast at small tables. Merchants and sailors argue and negotiate loudly. Small podiums are lined up around the perimeter of the pavilion. On the front of each podium, there is slotted a square metal slate about two feet across. At the moment, most of these are vacant with no slate present. But at the southern entrance, however, one podium is slotted with a slate bearing the name Min Gaer Hiril, or Our Sea Lady. Behind the podium, looking over a long scroll, stands a tall, fit elf. His head is adorned with a blue captain's hat, his long brown hair pulled back into a ponytail. He's dressed in a long navy tunic with white pants, and on his lapel rests a golden pin of the scallop of Prevalian, crossed over top with a large feather and a rapier. Standing at his right, her back straight with hands clasped behind her back, stands a half-elven woman. She's dressed in simple seafaring clothes, but with a nicely made navy blue vest. She's pretty, with softer features than her high-elven counterpart, but her eyes give an air of seriousness. On her lapel is a smaller pin, silver, with a scallop and the rapier, but no feather. Before the podium, there are seated, well, there's some empty seats, but there are seated four individuals. Alan, who do we see? Brackle and three other people. I don't know. That's right. But how <laughs> does Brackle look since you are Brackle? He looks worn from travel. He's wearing 
the attire of the forest. So he looks mm. like if you were in the forest, you would never see him coming. But he's not in the forest, so now you can see him. So leaves. He's wearing leaves. That's right. He's Large. wearing. He's he's in a ghillie suit. <laughs> I knew it. That would be good. That'd be something here in this uh, seafaring port if he's just sitting there in a ghillie suit. Seated next to Alan is a halfling. Chris, why don't you describe Perrin for us? Well, Perrin is a three foot four halfling. He would be dressed in gold and black gilded armor. He also oh. would have a rapier at his side, as well as a small dagger and a shield strapped to his back. He has fiery red hair and piercing green eyes. Ooh. That's awesome. That is awesome. Okay, behind him are two others. One, uh, a gnome. Emily, why don't you describe the gnome for us? Clover is a two foot and one fourth inch tall <laughs> gnome. Wow. She's got <laughs> chestnut brown hair that comes about to her shoulders, um, mossy green eyes, and where she's sitting, her feet uh, don't even touch the ground. They're just kind of like dangling there, but she's got her shoulders up high like she thinks she's probably taller than she is. <laughs> <laughs> two foot a quarter inch, is that what you said? <laughs> That's very specific. That is, a, <laughs> that is a very small gnome. Uh, and then seated beside her, Ellie? Phelan is about five foot ten. Uh, her hair is like a medium brown, and she has it tied back into a bit of a messy bun to keep out of her face. Has warm hazel eyes and is dressed in like a kind of warm purple dress with um, hints of pink on like where the hymns would be. Very cool. Very, very cool. The elf with the captain's hat standing behind the podium addressing the four of you. He looks up from his scroll. Uh, I see everything is in order here. We uh, thank you all for coming. Um, as I have previously mentioned, my name is Captain Solias Brightree. I am uh, the captain of uh, Min Gairhiril, or Our Sea Lady, uh, a very prestigious and uh, well-kept ship that has sailed these seas between Vinthaven, Brightwort, and beyond for many, many years. And I have been the captain of this ship for going well on 50 years now. And I would say that I know these seas as well as anyone does, or at the very least, I know them quite well. But as you are all quite aware, things have changed. And as the dreary mood of this day has already set forth, we understand that our safe seas, the sea road from here to Vintaven, is no longer safe. And thus we are looking to take on some adventurers, such as yourselves, to offer us some extra protection. Now, of course, we can protect ourselves well enough, but uh, there have been sightings of strange creatures, pirates, ne'er-do-wells of all sorts that travel the high seas, and it certainly does well to have an extra hand and sword uh, or wand or implement or whatever it may be that you carry. But we are, we are very pleased uh, to hire the four of you, and let, let me see if I have this right, uh, Brackles and Yeltias. Yes, that's me. We will uh, offer you free passage from here to Vintaven in exchange for protective services, which we will hopefully not need, of course. Of course. And Clover Wormwood, um, we have agreed to give you 100 gold as well as passage to Vintaven for your services. Is this amenable with you? I suppose I can make it work. Excellent, excellent. Uh, let me see. Phelan Silvervale. Yes. 
What is it exactly uh, that you would like in exchange for your services? I think money would be suitable, if possible. Is a hundred gold acceptable? That does sound acceptable. All right. Well, we welcome your service. And lastly, of course, but not least, Perrin Fallowhide. Hi, Captain Salias. I would be glad to help you bring peace to the seas and protect your wares, so long as it does not go against the oaths that I've sworn to Paylor. Of course. I, I believe that our character will fall right in line with the tenants of Paylor, and we will be very thankful to have your protection. Now, we should discuss, but as he's speaking, he kind of gets cut off as someone comes running up, uh, sucking air out of breath uh, with a big bundle of scrolls and strange vials all up in her arms. And Felicia, uh, who do we see? What do we see? You see a elvish woman, brown hair. Uh, she's wearing seafaring Outfit. It's all brown. All brown. Um, she's got goggles on her head. Okay. And like she's got a little um, belt with some vowels on it, and they have some weird liquids in it and whatever. Oh, and good. So, yeah. Uh, Meg, uh, nice of you to join us at this late hour. <sighs> the line was awful at the store. I'm so sorry. Quite all right, quite all right. I'm glad that you uh, were you able to find everything that you needed. Oh yes, more more than I needed. It was it was absolutely fantastic. I am so ready to go back home, though. Well, we will we will be leaving here shortly. I am just introducing ourselves to our new um, uh, protectors, adventurers. These adventurers, these kind folks, they'll be traveling with us to offer protection on the on the sea. It is a pleasure to have you on board. I'm sure you will keep us very safe if, you know, if something bad happens, which I'm could sure, happen. I'm sure nothing's going to happen. But, you know, any, any, anyway, th- th- I would also like to introduce you, of course, to uh, my first mate. He says, signaling to the elvish, the half-elven woman who's been standing there next to him, who has been silent with her hands locked behind her back. Uh, this is uh, my uh, first mate, Doriana Windflower. She has traveled with me for many years now, and she will uh, she'll be taking care of the regular operation of the ship while we are aboard. And, of course, she will, you will probably answer to her first and foremost um, if there is anything that we need. Uh, Doriana just gives a smile and just kind of a little uh, nodding bow. And Yes, um, if you need anything at all, never hesitate to ask. I'm more than happy to take care of all your needs, of course, when we're aboard the ship. But uh, I will warn you that uh, we do keep things orderly. And while we welcome all kinds and all sorts into our journey, we hope that you will, of course, um, pull your weight. (laughs) Brackle (laughs) just sort of, like, straightens up and, like, of course... Of course. Well, of course. <clears throat> uh, right. Well, uh, thank you, Doriana. If you would all like, we will head now to our sea lady. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So he, he just turns and starts. He just turns and walks out. He grabs his scrolls, and Doriana turns heel and begins walking right behind him. And they don't they don't really look back. They just start walking across the uh, uh, the pavilion and head out onto the main road. And, I mean, you guys are right up next to the ports. And so you come down to the ports, you walk down along, uh, and you come up on a pier to uh, a ship. Uh, There are a lot of ships. All the ports seem to be full, which if any of you have ever spent a lot of time at all in Brightport, you know that usually 
they're not full. Uh, there's there's just a lot of going in and coming out. But right now, there doesn't seem to be very much actual action at sea right here. Uh, most of the ships are in port, tied down, and don't seem to be prepping for leaving. There are people milling about, but everybody just kind of seems in a sort of stasis. Uh, with the exception of our sea lady. You all come upon it, and you see it there ahead. A large, beautiful ship. Uh, it is a dark brown wood. You know, you can't really see the whole ship from where you're at, but as you're approaching, you go up on the ramps and step up, and you see this uh, hustling and bustling little ship. And I say little. It's not small. It's definitely not the smallest ship here, but it's definitely not the biggest ship either. It is comfortable. But it seems to be very well kept. There is a shine and a sheen to the decks. Uh, everything is nice and clean, almost pristine, strangely enough. Uh, and you kind of get the feeling maybe Doriana sort of gives the air of, of someone who would try to keep things in tip-top shape. Uh, and you all step onto the ship, and as you do, some people are kind of milling about. And uh, Captain Celias turns. He uh, takes his hat off. And he sort of like straightens in his hand looking at you all. And he says, I will be in my quarters preparing the final things for the journey. We should be leaving within the hour. Doriana, of course, will take you around and introduce you to the rest of the crew. Welcome aboard our sea lady. And he turns on a hill and walks into the cabin of the captain and closes the door behind him. Well, I am going to go to my quarters real quick. And I will be right back. Meg. Yes. Meg. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, perhaps just uh, take our friends down there with you. Uh, for, you know, there are the young extra bunks in your quarters, and they will need to stay with you. Oh, uh, it, that, is, that sounds great. Excellent. You take them on down, let them get their things settled in, and then I'll be down to introduce them to everyone. All right. Well, this way. She leads you over to the, like the steps, the little, little ladder step thing that leads down to the lower decks. You go into the lower decks and you you see some other people. They kind of just look at you as you walk by. People kind of see someone carrying like a big bag of what's something, you know, like a big burlap sack full of something. Uh, you hear some pots and pans cleaning around off to one side and you glance and it looks like a kitchen area, something like that. You go all the way to the back uh, and in the very, very back there is a small door. Uh, and Meg opens the door, and inside, it's a bunk room. Uh, each side of this very tight room has bunks built into the walls. There are six in total, but since there are only five of you, there is more than enough room for you all to stay there, although there's not a whole lot of room for your stuff. So I don't know how much stuff you have, uh, but there's not a lot of room for stuff. Brackle just has his everyday carry. Yeah, his ghillie suit. That's right. When you walk in, in the floor, like I picture like the bunks are on the... Left side, right side, and there's a little alleyway right there. Yeah, yeah. So in the floor right there, there's a little, looks like chemistry set going on, some mm. bubbling and whatever. Oh, good. And I was kind of letting that do its thing while yeah. I went and shopped. Totally safe. Uh, <laughs> let me clean this up real quick. And honey, you see her, like, pull her goggles down and start, whoo, and something blows up a little and <laughs> puts it back in there. Mm. And she puts the corks on the little things and puts them in her bag real quick. And mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. I did not know I was going to have guests, but I am very delighted. And yeah, here, here's your beds. You can pick whichever one. That one's mine. And you look up and there's scrolls all over the bed and on the top bunk. And it's just a mess, like mm -hmm. a lot of stuff up there. Mm -hmm. It smells weird, too, in here. The smell will go away. I promise. Um, it's like a mixture of burnt hair and seaweed. <laughs> oh, God, that is bad. <laughs> Oh, I am so sorry. Like I said, I did not know I would have guessed. Um, 
You hear this a knock is at the so door. Ridiculous. Clover. We'll say that you're in the very back and you hear a knock at the door. Kind of like turn and start walking over to the door and just like open it just a crack and stare through. Mm-hmm. You peek through the door and there is a gnome standing on the other side. A female gnome. She's got, got like a greenish gray tint to her skin. Her hair is like bright orange. And she says, hi. Hey. Can I help you? Yeah. Uh, I, my name is... Kendall, uh, I'm. Uh, I, I just saw you guys go by my kitchen over here. I just wanted to. Uh, do we have new guests on the ship? Yes, we do, Kendall. We have new guests. Oh, hi, Meg. Um, my name is Kendall. She reaches out a hand towards you. I open the door fully, swing it all the way open. Good, 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 good. Oh, there's uh, four of you. Uh, welcome to our sea lady. My name is Kendall. I'm the cook, and uh, I just wanted to say hello and, and welcome to the ship. Um, did I say my name is Kendall? My name is Kendall. Did I say that? Yes, Kendall, three times. Also, the smell is not them, just to let you know. Oh, I know. We've been smelling that for weeks, she says, just kind of whispering it to you guys. You can smell it outside. Oh, no. No. Yeah, I thought they said you can. I'm so sorry. For sure, yeah. No, it's fine. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bad smell, <laughs> she says, leaning toward Clover. <laughs> I kind of, like, sprinkle my nose. What do you need, uh, Kendall? What the, what is... Oh, I was just introducing myself. I've got oh. I've got to get back to work, but uh, welcome aboard our sea lady. And she kind of like turns with a little like skip and hops back over and jumps into the... She literally does like a tuck and roll and jumps into the kitchen. She's very nice. She seems uh, very energetic. Mm. Oh, yes. Very energetic. But she did say the smell was not bad, so... Mm. <laughs> it's um pungent. <laughs> mm. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I would say we could open a window, but since we are at the bottom of the ship, it would be very bad. Water would be in. That might be better. You pick your beds, you got anything, you sit it down, you're kind of getting it right around that time. Uh, Doriana makes her way back down. I see you all get have gotten settled in quite well. If, if you'd like to follow me, I'll introduce you to the rest of the, uh, the crew. I think I'll probably... Uh, come along with you if that's okay yes of course i don't know if well i will appreciate your help in welcoming our guests and also just sort of showing them the ropes you know all right all right it's good to have a friend and of course i i will find myself to be very busy quite shortly and meg here she was she's a good sort and she says with like a a light awkward tap on your shoulder just like a just very strange and weird <laughs> thank you doriana there is a booming sound from behind you guys out in the hallway and smoke comes pouring up out of a doorway on the right. It wasn't. And then tripping out of it, someone falls into the hall and they're just completely covered in black soot and just like coughing. Uh, A little figure rolling around like a little dust cloud. They stand up and you see, you can see it looks like some sort of a big, almost like a, like a welder's apron over the front of him. He's just like smacking all the dust off of him and he's, and he's got these big goggles and they're completely covered in black uh, smoke soot stuff. And he just reaches up and kind of like scrubs them off. Oh, uh, hello. Um, Sorry, Doriana, everything is fine. And she just gives a little... <clears throat> this is, uh, this is uh, Brindle. Brindle is our, um, he is a defensive uh, engineer, I guess you could say. And he will be aboard as well. Brackle slowly takes his hand off the hilt of his sword. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good, Bra- Brackle. Not time for the murdering yet. Hold back on the murder. I thought it was our room blowing up there for a second. One of Meg's experiments. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, me too. No, no. 
Uh, yeah, well, so far no fires, just weird smells coming out of there. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, he, he walks up, he's kind of dusting. He cleans his hands off on his uh, on his apron and then extends it, and it's dirtier than it was before. The name's Brindle. Brackle. Well met, Brindle. What is a uh, what exactly is a defensive engineer? Uh, I build cannons <laughs> <laughs> and blow them up. Apparently. <laughs> Well, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Oh, <laughs> yes, uh, Brindle he mends the cannons and he will show them to you since you will all be, uh, you know, you're here for protection. It could be. Hopefully, we won't have any need for them, of course. Well, you do remember that well. The other day, remember the well? The, uh, that was no whale. I'm telling you, that was a shark. I know fish, Brindle. It had a big fin. Whales have. You can't prove it. That whale had... A, oh, you have no proof. It looked like that one, and she gets a book out of her pocket, and it's got a bunch of, like, different fish in it. And she's like, it did look like that one fish. What was the name? Well, we we, uh, we mm. must be moving along. We have others to meet. But this is uh, Brindle, and uh, we'll meet his sister here shortly. She works the kitchens, of course. Maybe a A-Fank. Hmm. <laughs> Brindle and Kendall? Was that? Yeah. Brindle. Yeah. Have you already met Kendall? Yeah, look. she was quite delightful. He, he kind of saddles up to you. Uh, he says, "But what's your name, by the way?" Oh, I'm sorry. My name is Perrin. Perrin, uh, look, Perrin. Uh, my sister, sweet. Not you'll never meet anyone nicer than her. A little, little energetic, but anyway, she's very sweet. But she's not the best cook. Okay, she does okay, but like, you know, just act like it's good. Okay. And he turns around, and walks away. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. Doriana just kind of gives him a, a stink eye as he's walking away. Sorry about all of that. Uh, it's not often that we have explosions. Usually he does a much better job, but, you know. Oh, oh well. Let's, let's move along. Moving along. Uh, she leads you guys down the hallway. I follow her. As you're going down the hall, she kind of pauses. She shows you the kitchen. She points inside. Inside, you see a sort of kitchen slash mess hall off the one end. There's some very simple things used for cooking. And then there's a, a table big enough for, I don't know, you know, 10 people, more or less. Um, it's not a huge area, obviously. But there's enough room for most everyone on the ship to eat at the same time. Uh, everyone could fit in the room, but everyone couldn't comfortably sit at the table at the same time. Uh, with the four of you, plus Meg. Plus Doriana, plus the captain, plus Brindle and Kendall. But as you are coming out, uh, she t- you also see in the back corner there's a doorway. Uh, and she says it's a small room where Kendall stays and Brindle. They share a room. Uh, and then uh, across the hall from the kitchen, there's another room. She uh, she knocks. No one says anything, so she opens it up. And there's a another bunk room. She tells you that this is a small room for the deckhands that they have hired who are mostly uh, traveling some to pay their way through uh, the uh, College of Magic, uh, mostly native to Vent Haven, things like that. Sort of like a student internship sort of business, you know. Are they the hands like in the Adams family, like running around? No, they're not. Oh, they're not. <laughs> but thanks for asking. And she takes you all upstairs, back up onto the deck. And on the deck, she points out the deck hands. Do you see Klein, Stein, Marin, and Taran? Uh, no relation. They just happen to have very similar names. And uh, they're just sort of milling about, doing all the things that need to be done. You know, whatever people do on ships, like swabbing the poop deck or whatever. I don't even know what that means. Uh, You know, summer. It's the deck (laughs) near the bottom. (laughs) That's where the poop is. Anyway, I'm just teasing. The deckhands, Klonsan, Marantarn, they're running around doing all the work, getting things ready. And you hear a clunk, clunk, clunk as a figure uh, follows you up from the lower decks. You turn to see a grizzled 
looking old dwarf with an eye patch and a gravelly disposition. He is uh, wearing uh, what looked like some very uh, sturdy clothes. You know what I'm saying? Hey, welcome uh, to the uh, Outer Sea Lady. I see we've got some new additions. Uh, he, he walks up to you all. He walks up to Brackle first, and he extends a hand. Gorin Stonefeller. Brackle. Zeniltius. Nice to make your acquaintance. He extends a hand to each of you. Gorin Stonefeller. He says to uh, Perrin first. Ah, pleased to meet you, Master Dwarf. Perrin Fallowhide at your service. Hey. Gorin Stonefeller. He says, extending a hand toward Phelan. Uh, I go and I shake his hand with and just simply say Phelan. Hey, uh, Gorin Stonefeller, he says to Clover. Uh, pleasure. Uh, I'm Clover. I serve as the swab here on this ship and I'll be taking care of keeping things nice and clean and tidy. Isn't that right, Doriana? He says and he sort of gives her a, like a stiff back look and she gives him a little curt nod. Uh, well, uh, don't uh, don't be making messes, uh, or else I'll have to clean them up. And if I have to keep cleaning them up, then eventually you'll have to clean them up. So, uh, so long as we can work together, we'll be fine. Welcome aboard. Hey, he says, uh, yelling at one of the deckhands, pick it up, and he runs over. And I say run, he slowly runs over because he's only got one leg. Mm-hmm. Get the walker. Get the walker. Uh, someone about that time, you see one uh, a young elf. Uh, Young elf man, probably. I mean, he, I mean, he looks young. He's got long, like, shoulder-length blonde hair. He's wearing, like, a uh, white, simple white shirt and some, some like, uh, some simple pants, like dark blue pants. And he, like, slides down the mast, uh, like, holding on to a rope. And he is working the ropes. Uh, and Doriana says, oh, this is, uh, this is Fungal. He is our rigger. He ties and takes care of the sails and, and, and also spends a lot of time up in the nest when a liquor out is necessary. Uh, you will find that he is helpful if you are in need, but um, mostly he keeps to himself. And Fungal just kind of gives you all a nod and then takes off again up the mast. And that pretty much does it for our uh, our crew. I, I do believe that's, that's everyone. We, we all have much to do to prepare, but we should be leaving here now within the half hour. So if you'd like to make yourselves as comfortable as you can and maybe help out where you see a place to lend a hand, we will thank you for it. Could I, uh, could I get a copy of your org chart just so I can keep track? <laughs> <laughs> if you would like, I can uh, certainly write everything down for you. Uh, sure. I actually might have notes on this already because this is what I went through when I joined the crew. <sighs> it takes a so, number of, of individuals to run a ship, but does. you get used to it. And she turns around and walks away, going about her business. We do have a very good crew. They are all very nice. So, Meg, what are we supposed to do to help the crew? Honestly... You were hired for protection services, I do believe, all four of you. I go and stab the cannon guy, because he seems like a <laughs> danger to the ship. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, Alan. <laughs> Is that what happened to Goran's eyes? You stab him too? Oh, goodness. Honestly, if, if there's anything you see that needs to be done and you can lend a hand, that, that, that would be perfectly acceptable. Um, but also if there is any danger or anything at sea that goes awry, then you can step in and, you know, help. But other than that, enjoy your trip, and 
It actually is a pretty good sail all the way to Vent Haven. It's about a week. You hear the sound again of someone sliding down a rope, and Fongol lands lively on his feet and then turns towards you all. And he says, oh, Sorry about that. I was a bit busy, but I am Fongol. It is a pleasure to meet you all. I'm sure we'll be spending much time together. Uh, but I couldn't help but overhear. You've all been hired for protection. That's right, Fungal. Well, I don't... It's fung, Fungal. Fung, fungal. Right, fungal. and I, I reach behind him and pull a mushroom out of his ear. <laughs> <laughs> are you, uh, are you is, a magician? He is not amused. <laughs> I've been practicing nice. from my friend... Uh, Jim, he taught me some magic. My cousin. Oh, no. Cousin. (laughs) Well, uh, I was just going to say, there are a lot of dangers at sea these days. Pirates, monsters, sea monsters. It's true. So, who knows what might happen, but we can all take care of ourselves. I really don't even think there's a need to have extra protection, but if there is an attack, we'll be thankful to have you all on board. Well, Fungo, it looks like you have... uh the best seat in the house. Is that what you're doing? Watching for danger? Sometimes. Other times I'm just manning the sails. I'm the rigger, so I have to take care of a lot of the... all of these things that you see. The ropes, the tying down of the sails, the releasing of the sails, the controlling. It's a very important job. It takes a lot of training, and I have received that training. I'm, I've only been at sea for five or so years, and not all with this ship, only with this ship for a short time. But I know what I'm doing, and... Um, I do love the sea. Me too. Sounds like a rigorous job. It can be. It can be. <sighs> it can be. Why don't you take your mushrooms and get out of my face, Brackle? <laughs> uh, as I turn around, I snap my fingers and just mushrooms explode everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have like a ranger spell that does something stupid with mushrooms, right? Just making sure. Uh, that would you be know? amazing. Let me check. Anything could happen. Okay, he's going to go check. Are mushrooms, do they have spikes? Because I have spike growth. Oh, yeah. Spike growth. Uh, so as this conversation comes to a halting stop, uh, pretty soon people begin uh, moving quickly about. They're taking care of final preparations. And before you know it, it is time to embark. And they cut the ship loose, raise the anchors, and take off. And before you know it, you are out at sea. It has uh, still a very overcast sky. There's no rain or anything like that. And the winds, I mean, they're, they're, it is windy like you'd expect. And we're approaching now, it's the end of winter uh, and the beginning of spring. Of course, this far south, it usually stays a pretty warm climate. But the winds are chilly. And as you all uh, take off from the coast, you find that the winds actually are colder out here over the sea, which you wouldn't really expect. But These are strange times. And as the ship, our sea lady, separates from the coast, you all set out into the open sea. You all are now in a new environment. You know, you you are here for the case, like you said, of protection. But at the moment, there's really nothing that anyone needs to be protected from, with the exception of Brindle and his explosive cannons or whatever, and hopefully Brackle hasn't killed him uh, or anything like that, or tied him up and stuck him in the basement. Or, or There's no basement, but you know what I'm saying. 
you spend some time on the ship. You walk around, you know, sort of feel out every nook and cranny. You know, the top deck is pretty explanatory, and then there's the captain's quarters, which you guys aren't, you don't go into the captain's quarters, you know. I mean, you can go up to them, but it's not like the captain's going to welcome you in and let you have a seat, sort of his private quarters. You find yourselves in the kitchen again, um, and as Brindle said, Kendall's not a great cook. She's fine, but you can tell it's going to be a pretty bland seven-ish days at sea. Uh, and you uh, you meet the deckhands, Klein, Stein, Marin, Tarin. Tarin is the only girl. The other three are guys. Uh, they're all pretty friendly, but they also seem very nervous. Uh, they all call you sir and ma'am a lot, and it just seems kind of skittish. You have an opportunity to go down into the uh, the outer part of the lower decks where all the cannons are held and see what Brindle's got going on down there. Some, some gunpowder was uh, sort of spilt when there was that little explosion, so there are some scorch marks all over one side of the cabin down there. Uh, but you get a look at everything. You don't see a whole lot of fungal. He stays mostly up top. Uh, he's working the rigging, and he is spending a lot of time in the crow's nest watching, things like that. Uh, Gorin is everywhere. You're not sure how he does it. But like pretty much at any moment, if you turn around, Gorin is like in the corner of the room. It's weird. You're not sure there's not actually three or four Gorons, and they're just pretending to be one guy. That would be awesome. <laughs> Goran, Boran, Soren, and Lauren. Uh, you, Doriana, she, you, you feel like you got a pretty good read on her at the beginning. She runs a tight operation. She's not rude, but she expects a high standard of quality. And Captain Solias, for the most part, throughout the first day, you don't see a lot of them until supper time. And you all have a, a light lunch where everyone just kind of does their own thing, but it's supper time. Uh, they pretty much call everyone who is not absolutely essential on the top deck down to eat supper in the mess hall. Kendall has prepared a stew, a mushroom stew. Mm. Uh, and you're all welcomed into the mess hall. You're in there. Kendall's in there. Brindle, uh, Solias, Doriana, the five of you, and Fongle and Gorin. So there's one man out, and Gorin comes walking in last. There's no seats at the table. And he steps up behind Fongle and stands there behind him. And every few seconds, he edges closer to his back until he is, like, pressed up against the back of his chair, breathing heavily, until finally Fongle, like, lets out a big exasperated sigh and stands up so that Gorin can sit down. And then Gorin starts eating. As Brackle tastes the mushrooms, he says, "Mm, back in uh, Branshire, one of the local farmers, good pal of mine, Farmer Maggot, used to share <laughs> mushrooms with me for protecting his land. Oh, Lord. Uh, was, yes. was he a fun guy? <laughs> he was actually pretty stern, but oh. his mushrooms were fun. Oh. Guy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um. Ca- Captain Solias is, is helping himself to some stew. Mushroom stew. He says, uh, "Kindle, this is this this is quite um, tasty. Where did you get these mushrooms?" And Kindle says, "Oh, I picked them up at the market. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the market." Oh no! <laughs> I put down my spoon. Yeah, I think everybody kind of puts down um, their spoons. Meg keeps eating it, but she's just trying to be nice. There's a big loaf of, like, bread. And it's actually really good bread. There's one thing she is good at. It's baking. And there's a big loaf of, like, fresh bread on the table. So 
you see Solias kind of like take his napkin up to his face like he's but you could tell he totally like spit some stuff out in it <laughs> and then he's Who, what would you like some bread we have some fresh butter I believe from the from the markets I picked up uh, here have some buttered bread with your stew and he starts <laughs> slicing it off and he, he hands a piece off to um, Phelan so Phelan it is right yes are you from Vinthaven originally yes I am did you study at the College of Magic? I did. Excellent, excellent. And what was your study, your 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 focus? Abjuration. Oh, interesting. So protective spells, right? Mm-hmm. My mother spent many years uh, at the College of Magic. She uh, actually was a professor for some time, of course. Her first love was the sea, so eventually she set back out. Um, I do miss her. <clears throat> Meg kind of chokes on her. Mushroom soup a little. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Quite all right. Are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> is it good? It's very good. I worked really hard on it. I hope it it's okay. It is very good. It's not too salty? No. Good. I was afraid that those mushrooms coming from... I mean, um, that I put too much salt <laughs> in the stew. No, 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 no. You can't ever have enough salt. Well, I'll give Meg our, our leftovers because we're done. We're eating the bread. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, so I, don't, I don't need to eat three bowls. Brindle, you see Brindle across the table. He just kind of looks at you like he's like, eat it. You gotta eat this. I cannot eat everyone's bowl. <sighs> She's slowly just kind of slurping. But you seem to love it so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is the worst stew I think I've ever tasted. <laughs> oh, Brindle like elbows Goran. He's like, "What are you doing? What? I'm just saying. I, I, I chipped a tooth on something. What's hard in mushroom stew? What's this? Is this a piece of a? Is that a barnacle? <laughs> uh, I think I think the pies are ready. And she like runs over to the stove and starts like opening the ovens. And she's like flushing. Red. And you were saying you miss her. What what happened? Oh, she she passed some years ago. It was natural causes, but um, she lived a long and healthy life. I was born much late in, in her life. Uh, I'm only 130. So she mm. was over, over 300 years when I was born. I see, I see. I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, we had a gr- we had many wonderful years together. She taught me everything I know about the sea, and I have inherited her love of the sea as well. Sounds like my father. Oh. He passed not too long ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Oh, it is fine. I, me and my mother, we we get on, we get on fine. Sorry to bring the, com- the conversation down so quickly. Clover, uh, where are you from originally? Fallen Grove, actually, but uh. Speaking of bringing the conversation down. <laughs> but as you know, it's gone, uh, there were, there were some happenings there, and, um, I've been traveling for a while. Ah. Were you there when the canopy was... Luckily, I was far away studying when it happened. Ah. Yes, well, horrible business, all of that. To think that Sebastian Blackfire, the mayor of Brideport, was... Anyhow, I... Uh, Perrin. <laughs> Captain. Are you, are you from Branshaw, perhaps? Among other places, yes. Of course, of course. With your connection to Paylor, I, I assumed perhaps you were 
from around that area. And, and Brackle, you said that you also from Branshaw, correct? I am. It's true. What brings you all to the sea? She calls me. Oh. <laughs> See the, the land by the sea with the lion, and it calls me. <laughs> Good lord. No, no. <laughs> no. Yes. No. He's Alan. No. <laughs> no, stop now. <laughs> That was special. That was worth it just for that. (laughs) Just for that. You you can have inspiration. Oh, thank you. You can have it. That was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, You got more to say? Yeah, I got to get to Vent Haven. So it's not so much the sea that calls me as it is the Vent Haven. Well, Vent Haven and the sea, they are forever connected. It is true. I mean, it is a coastal city, right? Like, definitionally. Have you ever been to the Magic City? No. What of the rest of you? I mean, Phelan, of course, you spent your whole life there, but what about you, Perrin and Clover? Have you ever been to Vintair? I've never been uh, myself, but I'm excited to study there. Magic is quite intriguing to me. I find it um, rather fascinating, so I'll be happy to visit there for the first time. Oh, I see. Well, uh, we will be there six or so days now. (laughs) It is a different place. We are in a different time. The danger of the seas is spread across the world, and I know that you are all no strangers to that. It is... uh, uh, This has been a much heavier conversation than I intended for it to be. Gorin, won't you tell us a story? And and Gorin gets choked uh, on a piece of bread, and (laughs) Fongal has to do the Heimlich on him to get get it loose, and he spits (laughs) it out in the middle of the table. (laughs) <laughs> Meg takes a napkin and kind of covers moves, that moves up. Moves the bread spit and then puts yeah. it in a vial and goes sets it on fire in the bedroom? No, 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 okay. no. Okay. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, you all sit at dinner. Uh, you finish your bread. There are some little pies that Kendall brings out, and the pies are good. Yay! Like I said, it seems like she has a real knack for baking. So maybe it won't be as bland of a trip. You're just going to gain 40 pounds in six days. So, as long as you're cool with that. And not and not diabetic, because that's bad. Anyway, the, the evening ends, and you all find it is time for rest. And others, a lot of them, they'll, they'll sort of, you'll notice they have shifts through the night. The deckhands, they split uh, the labors between the two of them. Fongal sleeps in the crow's nest, which is, no, there's no way. But he's doing that. Uh, and it's bedtime. You all go nap-naps. Yes, I will say Meg stopped doing the experience, uh, experiment in the room. Uh, she started doing it on the deck. Oh, and okay, so yeah. the smell has went away. Oh, well, it's not gone. No, it has not gone away. The smell has tried is, to go it away. Is, and it's not as present, but it's still there, you know? I'm just kind of like uh, choking on it as I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it ta- you can acclimate. It just takes a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that burnt hair and, and seaweed smell. It's oh, just... Man. Uh, who would do that? Sheesh. Ooh, anyway, the next day, you're sort of falling into the rhythm of things. Uh, you occasionally find an opportunity to lend a helping hand here or there. Like I said, the uh, the deckhands are at work. You see Gorin constantly yelling at someone, cleaning. Always in the periphery, no matter where you are except for in your bedroom. He doesn't come in your bedroom with you. But everywhere else, basically, you turn around and you can see him. There's nowhere on the ca- in the ship where you can stand where you- Goran is not in sight. You don't know how that is, but it's just the way it is. 
Do any of you have anything that you're wanting to do, say, explore, etc., on the second day? I will say Meg has found a fish. Okay. And she is on the deck. Where'd she find it? In the ocean. <laughs> she didn't fish for it. She got it from, like, the, you know, people getting food for Kindle and all Just that stuff. Just flopped up on the deck. Just, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, you should have been there. It was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so she's got this fish, and she's doing some science experiment. Well, science experiments on it, and she's dissecting it and things. So she's dissecting it and working on it, and that's what she's doing through the morning and things like that, just experimenting and stuff like that. Okay. What does Perrin do during the day? Well, I know that he would be observing the crew, trying to help out where he could, sure. and... Um, just trying to get a sense of who they were. I think he was right. pulled towards fungal and the uh, mm -hmm. the high altitudes up on the rope, so he might, he might have been doing some of that as well, or trying to at any rate. Okay. Yeah, you can help out where, where you see an opportunity. Uh, fungal kind of shows you the ropes, LOL. And, <laughs> um, you know, you get the opportunity to get to know him a little better. Uh, he doesn't say much about himself, but he says a lot about the ship and... He does say that he hasn't been, like he said, he hadn't been on the ship for very long. He's he's really only been working with them for a couple months, uh, although he says he's worked at sea for many years. You kind of, you have opportunities to help a hand here and there. What about Clover? What's Clover spend her day doing? She kind of hovers around the area where the, oh, what was his name who was um, fire, who made the explosion in that room with the cannons? Brindle. Brindle. Yes, I'm making sure that all cannon fires are aimed away from the ship. Oh, good. That's very good. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> that is smart. Yeah, get them lined up on the the portholes or whatever where they can shoot out. Get them, you know. And, and he he, he kind of he shows you some things he's working on. Uh, he's trying to develop an automatic cannon, which he admits is why there was an explosion. Because instead of things happening in a sequence the way he designed them to, all the the gunpowder lit at once and when it did it spilt what he had there and then that exploded so oh, wow. <laughs> it's a wonder there's not a hole in the side of the ship uh he also admits that he has put enchantments on those areas around the cannons to keep them from catching fire or exploding when those cannons do explode because he is ashamed to admit it happens more often than maybe it should <laughs> what does uh phelan spend her day doing um, mostly just trying to, um, help around where I can, not really yeah. anyone in particular, and also just taking some time to look out at the ocean. Would you say that Phelan's kind of like a, she's got like a proper sort of air to her? Definitely. Okay. Well, I would say that Doriana finds a sort of similar spirit in that because she definitely <laughs> holds herself in similar airs. And so she definitely would, she spends some time talking to you when she sees you watching the sea. She'll, she'll kind of talk to you a little bit. You know, she shares a little bit about herself and how she got into this business. And she speaks very highly of Captain Celias, how that he is a very respectable and honorable captain and that there's a lot of captains out there who are much less so, but that our sea lady is a sort of venerable ship she doesn't like bear her heart because she doesn't really seem the type but she does sort of you know you get a little you feel a little bit of a similar uh, or a kindred spirit i guess uh from the way she she sort of befriends you and talks to you brackle brackle wonders the ship brackle looking furtively wondering 
in every direction. The Wanderer. Seeking out any signs of danger. He is unfamiliar mm. with the ways of the sea. The waves mm-hmm. subtly unnerve him. Yeah, roll me a constitution saving throw, Bracken. What is beneath those waves? Let's see. What's my saving for? Okay, that's not terrible. Oh, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> I got a seven. You spend that second day, you step up onto the ship. You notice uh, Phelan kind of spending some time watching the sea and just observing, and you think, you know, I'm going I'm to do that. And you step off to one side, and you're watching the waves. The sun is hidden behind the cloud cover. It's a cool wind. It's refreshing at first. But then you begin to think, what is beneath the sea? And you look down at the waves, and you burp mushrooms. Oh, no. And barnacles. And, and salt water. Is that a track, Cthulhu? And you smell burnt hair and seaweed. No. And you chuck <laughs> up over the side of the railing. You barf everywhere. And you feel utterly green behind the gills. Brackle is unfamiliar with this sensation. You cannot get your legs under you, and you feel just wretched. Brackle cries. <laughs> uh, Brackle, you spend the rest of the afternoon trying to get your sea legs, and that evening, you know, it's time for dinner again, and you all are summoned back into Kendall's kitchen. Does everyone go? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, carefully. With heavy footsteps. Brackle, give me another constitution saving throw. <laughs> Thirteen. Okay, with well, a 13, you're not, you don't have necessarily 100% your sea legs, but you're, you feel like you need to eat something and you feel like you've got the nausea somewhat under control. But as Brackle walks in, he's got a little bit of sweaty face going, you know? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just the, uh, the humidity, guys. Uh, as you come in, Kendall has prepared a casserole, a big one. Mm hmm. <laughs> Doriana comes in, and right now it's just you guys, Doriana, Kendall, and Brendel. No one else has joined just yet. And she says, oh, I see you. Kendall, you've prepared a... What is this? And Kendall, like, she turns around. She's got her apron on. She's very chipper. She says, I call it South Sea Surprise. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, you say? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like a game. You eat it, and then you have to tell me what you think is in it. Oh, oh. oh God. I promise. It's, it's good. It'll be good. I promise. It'll be good. It'll, sure, it'll be good. <laughs> it'll be good. So Meg takes a spoonful, but not mm. too much because just, the soup the other night, mm. that was a lot she ate just to be nice, and mm. everyone gave her her the mm. leftovers because they're <laughs> so nice. So uh, <laughs> today she's just getting one big spoonful. Okay. Don't worry about me. Don't even. She'll try it. Don't look over here. Don't worry about what. Nothing's happening. Oh, Kendall, a casserole, a, a surprise. You say. A, yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a recipe of my own making. Amazing. Look, it's got the little crust. You see the crust? Meg takes a bite of it. Here I go. Take a <laughs> surprise. bite. Surprise! I take okay. a bite. Roll me a d10. A d10. Yeah. A d10, your sir. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Oh, so a two. Okay. Oh no. It's a real it's a real like fishy sort of. It's blowfish. 
And she's like got a little napkin, and she—it's not like she's it's like very spitting. soft. Oh, that's oh, incredibly <laughs> soft. <laughs> she's not like spitting it out, but she's taking the cloth and like holding it to her mouth, like very proper. Like, what did you think? Very soft. It's sweet. Is this ill? <laughs> no. Well, there Is might it be octopus? some octopus. You know what? There might be some octopus in there. To be honest with you, I'm not really sure what all is in it. Mm, amazing. Tastes like an oyster, but it's very sweet. Oh. <laughs> like a gummy that's gone bad. Okay. It's a surprise she to eat, Kendall, too. She eats that really quick and um, takes a drink of whatever she's got. And... Here, Ooh. let me help you all. And she serves you all a portion out on your plate. Everybody. Oh, nice. Yum. I'll take a bite. I'm resistant to poison. Roll me a D10. <laughs> that would be a five. Okay. Something stabs into your gums. Mm. Mm. You know, like when you're eating, you're, you're like chips at the Mexican restaurant and one gets turned sideways. Oh, yeah. Oof. It's like that. And then you, you pull it out. It's like a it's like a fin, you know, like a spiny fin. I ha- well, there's definitely fish in it. Yeah, there is. Could you taste it? Oh, I tasted it all right. Oh, good, good, good. That fin doesn't look like an eel. Anybody what else? Feeling brave? Uh, Phelan takes a very small, very cautious mm. bite, mm-hmm. but try mm-hmm. not to look rude about it. Oh, right, right, right. Roll me a D10. That's a one. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't know what that was, <laughs> but you do know this. It is not meant for human consumption <laughs> or elvish consumption. <laughs> you cannot swallow it. Um, <laughs> you know that smell you've been smelling in the room for the last couple of days? You're tasting it now. Mm, and seaweed. you, this ought not so to be. <laughs> yeah, so I take my napkin and I discreetly mm. spit the bite into the napkin, mm. but mm. Um, I act yeah. like I swallowed it. Okay, give me a uh, give me a, a deception or stealth. I'll take either one. <laughs> you may oh, be gosh. really selling it with your mannerisms, and I would accept deception, but stealth is probably... That's a natural 20. Ooh. Oh. Oh, my. Proper wins out. Nice. No <laughs> one has any idea. They all assume you just ate it. Like, 100%, it's gone. Boom. Straight up gone. Iron stomach. Man. Oh, was it good? It was very well made. Very impressive. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Brackle, how, how is it? Uh, whew, this, this, <laughs> the look on Alan's face. This humidity. <laughs> when I said Brackle, the look on Alan's face. It's got to me. I don't <laughs> I don't think I can eat right now. Just all this, this sea, you oh. know, and the oh, humidity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I understand. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Here, I'll save you some. And she comes and she gets it. And <laughs> yeah, she... yeah. Just stick it in the freezer. Yeah, she puts it in like a little better. bowl. She writes her name on it with like a swirling <laughs> little, some charcoal. It's like brackle. Is it like a country crock <laughs> container? Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a cool whip bowl. <laughs> does uh, does Clover try to take a bite or? Yeah, this looks delicious, but I um, I'm see, I've never sailed before, and. <laughs> These waves, it's very choppy water. I just, oh, I just haven't felt well all day. <laughs> okay, all right. Give me, give, give me a, give me a deception check, Clover. We'll see if she believes you. Oh, your deception's good. That's uh, fourteen. Oh yeah, she believes you. Yeah, you, she believes you. Oh, 
Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Look, let me put you some in a bowl, too. And she goes and gets a bowl. I would love, <laughs> love that. Writes, Thank you. She writes clover on it, and then she draws, like, a little four-leaf clover beside it. <laughs> here, I'll put it back here. Uh, in, 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 like, we, think, we keep things cool magically back here, so. Um, Wonderful. Well, it's a shame, because I, I also fixed this uh, these brownies, too. But I guess if you guys aren't feeling well... Uh, I could save you some of those as well. And she pulls out a yeah. big sheet of like delicious smelling brownies, like super good smelling brownies. <laughs> and uh, you all finish your meal, and you know it's it, if you want to call it that, whatever it is, uh, you have brownies. <laughs> There's also table bread, so bread and brownies, some butter, triple B, and it's you know it's evening. Everyone goes about their business and sets up the sort of split for the night. You all go to your quarters and rest for the evening, or what do you do? I go nap, nap. Yeah, I go and rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Perrin? thinking of a walk on the deck, but how late is it? It's, you know, it's it's just, it's approaching bedtime, probably nine, ten o'clock. It's dark out. But if you want to walk on the deck, you can. Uh, if everybody's going, I'll, I'll go to bed, too. Okay. Recover from my puncture wound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still bleeding. Occasionally, you get just a little bit of that. It's like, mm. You need to get that checked out, you know, get some Listerine up in there. Uh, you all go to bed. And Brackle, go ahead and roll me another constitution save. Let's see if you're fully recovered yet or not. Poor Brackle. This is an 18. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you've got a handle on it, which is good, because now that you're lying in the bunk and you feel the ship moving beneath you, you you sort of come to ease, you know, you, you ease out and you're able to... Get some rest, and you're really tired after a day of violent vomiting. Uh, just truly life-changing uh, seasickness. But you are you are healing, and you are resting. I was laughing, thinking of a Gorn hanging him over the side, making him scrub all the puke <laughs> off the side of the bunk. <laughs> oh. Yeah, when you guys close the door in your bunks for the night, you see Gorn at the end of the hallway, just standing there. He's not looking at you. He's just standing there. He's not always staring at you from the corner of your eye. He's just always visible. Okay. I shudder. Hmm. <laughs> at some point in the wee hours of the night, not long after you have gone to bed, probably not too far after midnight, you are awakened to the sound of your door opening. There's a sharp knock on the door uh, as it's opened. You all snap awake and turn to see light trickling in through, and you see the figure of the thick, broad-shouldered, peg-legged Goran standing in the doorway, and he says, Get up. Captain wants to see each of us. Let's go. Oh, dear. This, is, this isn't good. Into the mess hole. And he turns and, and walks out. His peg-leg clanking on the floor, clopping. I follow. I go. Time to earn our yeah. paycheck. Same. Mm -hmm. You all get up. You step out. It's you feel like you got maybe two hours of sleep. I mean, you're you are groggy. Uh, there is a dim light shining in through the hall, and there's a light shining out from the kitchen. And uh, you step in to the mess hall slash kitchen, and inside you see three uh, of the deckhands. You see Kleinstein and Marin. Gorin has stepped inside. He is standing back against the wall. You see Doriana. You see Fungal. You don't see. Catherine Salias, you don't see Kendall, and you don't see Brendel or Tarin. Everyone else is inside. Doriana is uh, sort of seated at the head of the table. 
and no one's saying anything. What's happened? We don't see Morin and Torin. You don't see Torin. You see Morin. You see oh. Stein, Klein, and Morin. You don't see Torin. You don't see Brindle, Kendall, or the captain. Uh, right now, everybody else is in here. And Perrin, you ask what's happening. You ask just the room, or you asking Doriana? Who do you ask? Doriana. She she like uh, almost like snapping out of some like a stupor. She looks up at you. Oh, um, hello, Perrin. Uh, uh, just uh, have a seat. Uh, the captain will be with us very soon. Well, that's good at least. <laughs> You see Stein and Klein sort of like leaning over, whispering to each other. Marin, he keeps doing that like head drop, falling asleep thing. And Gorin is tapping his peg leg against the floor. And there's sort of a dead silence for what feels like five, ten, fifteen minutes. But there's also this sort of like tense air. You know what I mean? Hmm. Finally, you hear the sound of footsteps. Uh, you hear someone coming down the step ladder to the lower decks and coming to the door uh, is the captain. He opens the door uh, to the, the mess and he ushers Tarin inside and and he steps in and closes the door. Tarin is pale and shaking. Uh, she looks like she's been crying. She's got like bloodshot eyes. And she goes over and sits on the other side next to Marin. I'm sorry to bother each of you while you're sleeping. And the captain also looks disheveled like you've never seen him. He doesn't have his blue tunic on. He's got like a nightshirt and his pants, his white pants that he typically wears. Uh, no golden you know, pin on his lapel, no captain's hat. Uh, his brown hair is, is still pulled back in, 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 in like a ponytail, but it looks like it was just thrown up rather than like nicely made. There's been, um, there's been an attack, I'm afraid. And Kindle is dead. Kindle is dead? She has been murdered by someone on this ship. At least so it would seem. Tarin like lets out a sob Doriana like walks over to her and puts a hand on her back and she's just like looking at them but you can tell she looks shocked yeah just out of it and also like she's holding back tears and Gorin says who did it I'll rip them to shreds let me at them and the captain like holds up a hand Gorin we don't know what has happened uh, Tarin stepped down to use the restroom for a moment and went back up for her watch and found Kindle there on the deck. Hmm. I'm afraid that for now, each of you is suspect. How did she die? Yes, could we see the the crime scene? We could probably gather a lot of information from the crime scene um, if we were allowed to. Why are you so interested, lass? Because right now, everyone on this boat is a suspect, including me and yourself. Not me! You say? Not possible it were me. We need to look toward the evidence before we get hasty in just killing anyone, Gorin. As far as I can tell, these four are the new ones about the ship. Can anyone uh, speak to their whereabouts for the last two hours? They were in the bunk room. Were they? 
Were you awake the whole time? Were you? I see what you're saying, but... Look, Gorin, I understand. We are all quite upset. For now, Meg, you're right. Uh, we need to... I would ask that the crew remain here for now. Brackle, Perrin, Phelan, Clover, if you would come with me. And Meg, you may as well come along as well. And he turns and walks out the door and holds the door open for you all to step out with him. This is a terrible thing. Yes, it is. Doriana says. You all step out? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. He motions toward the, the uh, steps going up to the top deck. You all go up, and it is dark. And, in fact, it's raining. It's not a heavy rain, but it is a steady, medium rain. There's not a lot of light, but the lanterns are lit, sizzling. There's no moonlight shining overhead, but you can see in the middle of the deck there by, well, there's the the great mast that, that goes up, and standing nearby is a short figure, his head bowed, and in front of him, still tied to the mast, is Kendall. And she has a wound on her chest, looks like from a blade of some kind, and she is dead. Question. You said it was raining and there's a crime scene. Mm-hmm. So could I use um, shape water and make like, it's like a cube form around the body in the crime scene so the water's not... Yeah, I'm fine with that. You so make it's like, like, a, like a, sort of like an umbrella. Yeah. Flows over top and all the sides. Just so the crime scene isn't messed up. Yeah, that's fine with so me. So I do that. It's just a cantrip. Okay. Yeah. You shape the water where the rain falls and it, it stops falling on her and Brendel. Meg walks up after doing that. Mm-hmm. You poor girl. <sighs> and her wound was... Right in the middle of her chest. Stab wound. Meg puts on gloves. Captain Celias walks up to Brendel, and he puts a hand on his shoulder. Why don't you go and rest in my quarters, my boy? And Brendel doesn't say anything. He doesn't move. He just stands there. And then after a moment, Doriana comes up. I've told them all to stay there in the mess hall for now. They've agreed to stay. There's nowhere for them to go, of course. Um, here, let me help. She comes up, she puts an arm around Brindle, and she sort of shepherds him off and takes him into the captain's quarters, leaving you four and the captain, you five, rather, and the captain standing there. I'm not going to mince words here. This is a horrible, horrible mess and a tragedy. Mm. I have hired the four of you for protection. And Meg here has a certain expertise, as you can see, with observation. So what I would like is for the four of you, with Meg, to investigate and discover who it is that you believe is responsible for our dear Kendall's death. Leave it to us, Captain. Um, you, you go rest up. I'm afraid there'll be no resting. I will see to the crew, and I will help you as you, as you see fit, of course. I understand that any one of you may also be responsible for this horrible crime. And so I will have to count on the rest of you to do what is necessary if you discover that one of your own is, in fact, the culprit. You have my word, Captain. I I would recommend that you speak to each of the crew. I'm sure that they will all be willing. They have no choice. Gather as much information as you can. As for her wound, he steps forward, and there's a crate. Uh, it's like a barrel, actually, more like a barrel. 
uh, there at the like at the foot of the mask, and she's like held up from the floor, like tied tightly to the mast. And he opens the lid of a barrel and he says, "I removed this before we brought Brindle up to tell him what had happened. Taran stumbled upon her. She was tied to the mast here, and she had been stabbed in the chest with this knife." He reaches down with a handkerchief and he pulls out a knife, and it's like an ornate looking knife, you know, probably six, seven inches long altogether with the hilt. Well, it's probably long. It's probably more like eight inches long. It's a, it's a big knife, you know. The blade is probably an inch and a half wide. Looks like the kind of knife that would be held, kept in like a sheath, not like, like a pocket knife. And tied to the hilt was this, and it is a white bandana, and drawn on it is a crude symbol. Looks like probably drawn with charcoal, and you can see it's already like started to run. And it's the symbol of a black skull with chains around it. No. Hey, Phelan, why don't you roll me a history check? Yeah. Come on, roll well, roll well. Um, uh, 14. That's not bad. When you see the skull, it seems familiar. And having grown up in Venthaven and around Venthaven, you're reminded of like stories of pirates and stuff and of a sort of pirate's guild that just called themselves the Black Skull. But you don't know of anything to do with chains or anything like that. But you do get a, kind of get a ping in your memory of that. Um, can I do a perception check just on her body in the area that's this the crime scene area? Investigation is what you would need to do. Oh. Uh, but yeah, you're able to do that. We need to get as much information as we can, but quickly, so we can get this poor girl's body down and wrap her up in a more orderly way. So it's it's been raining. There's probably no fingerprints. I mean, not fingerprints. Uh, footsteps or anything like that. That's a four plus three, seven. Okay. Is anybody else investigating the area? Oh, yeah, I will. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay. You can go ahead and, and roll me. Anybody who wants to can roll me an investigation check. Okay. Fourteen. Okay. That's a six. Okay. Twenty-six. Ooh, oh, that's real good. Wow. Girl. Nice. Wee. I got a 14. Okay. Brackle, you and Perrin both set about looking uh, at the area, and you notice a lot of what Celias has already said. You see she is tied there. Just like you said, Perrin, you go to looking for any kind of footprints or sign, but the rain seems to have washed anything away, any sign of, of blood. The only blood that you see is on her, her shirt. There's a, a large spot of blood that is not dried, but it's just where it ran down. There's a little bit drip down, like, below her, but it's mostly mixed with the water. Phelan, you go to looking about it, and you remember, you see the black skull, and you think about that, and you remember that uh, sort of stories, hearing about pirates, a pretty nasty band of pirates who called themselves the black skull, and you go to investigating the area, and as you do, you do notice one thing in particular that sticks out to you as you examine her. You don't see any footsteps, you don't see blood everywhere. But there is not enough blood on her or beneath her to account for enough. There should be more blood, is what, you're, what you surmise, uh, looking at her for her to have been stabbed and killed like that. Which leads you to the belief that it is unlikely that she was actually killed here. She was likely killed somewhere else and then moved here. Time to look for blood. Do you share that information? Uh, sure, yeah. So not here. Hmm. Well, let's get her down and cover her up, and we'll take her into one of the rooms right there. I don't know. 
the room up here would be the captain's quarters, so you could. You we'll could. just take her into the captain's quarters, so okay. she's out of the rain and. All right, y'all wrap her up. Uh, you take her into the captain's quarters. The captain is in there with Doriana and Brindle right now. Brindle is drinking from a cup uh, of it seems like hot tea. Who is carrying her? I can carry her. So Perrin's carrying her. Uh, you all enter into the room. You got her wrapped uh, in something that was out there. They show you a place to lay her down off to one side. And Brindle, you see his eyes kind of go over there. He's still covered. He's still got a lot of that dirt and soot and stuff, but it's all like wet and running down. Uh, you see his skin kind of shining through really for pretty much the first time, that sort of greenish gray colored skin. And with that washing off, you realize he actually looks a lot like his sister, but he's still not speaking. So Meg walks over to the table where Dorian is. Mm-hmm. And is there a teapot there in a cup? Yeah, there's a teapot and cups. So she grabs a cup and starts pouring a little cup of tea because mm-hmm. she's not going to pass up some tea. Right. Uh, what you, <laughs> what think, is who she? Do you think I am? Okay. Huh? Who do you think so, she is? Uh, well, it seems that we have uh, discovered some things about the crime, and, you know, she keeps it kind of. She's right. not saying she's everything because of Brindle. Mm-hmm. But it does look like the investigation um, will start with probably talking to each of the members of the crew and Phelan seems to think that the the incident did not happen on the deck where we found her so oh Phelan do you you think that perhaps she was moved after she was killed yeah there's doesn't appear to be enough blood on the deck you know now that you say it I think you're right well there's no guarantee that we will find that blood anywhere but perhaps we can I think you're right I think that um Perhaps an investigation of the areas of the ship. Try and find where it occurred, if you can. And, of course, speak with each person. I think these are wise steps. And, of course, I also understand that I must also be a person of interest. As there are only so many of us on this ship. I shall go downstairs, and I shall tell each of them that you will be speaking with them. Will the four of you be doing that together, or would you like to split them into groups? Uh, Would you like to split into groups and interview them? How would you like to do this? So, I do do think that it would be a great idea if Perrin and Brackle, uh, you seem to be more um, inclined to detail and investigating. So, I think you should investigate where she might have been killed. While we us three ladies go and investigate and what is the word interview interview the other interrogate interrogate <laughs> good cop bad cop and neutral cop yes we're going to go interrogate and maybe even interrogate each other does that seem okay with you or you have any other suggestions i agree it's the most logical solution that sounds suitable yeah my investigation is just not that great but i think that can work you can perceive well yeah. I can perceive well. Maybe you'll perceive something. I'll perceive everything. Maybe you'll find yourself to be more wise than intelligent. As you all make your plans, and it seems that you have at least a strategy for trying to discover who was responsible for this terrible act of violence, we are going to have to end this first episode of our <gasps> Make Believe Champions adventure. Law and Order, SV. Murder <laughs> at Sea. Special. Okay.
Okay. I've never watched okay. the Lawnmower. <laughs> uh, hey, we love you guys. Thank you for listening to us. We hope that you've enjoyed this special episode. And there is more to come. It? We will have to see if we can discover who is responsible for killing our dear Kindle in the I, next. I think it was Brackle. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was Nook. Wouldn't that be a twist? <gasps> was it Nook and Cranny? Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. What's a nook? Goodbye. What's a cranny? Why are you doing this? I don't... <laughs> Why are you the way to <laughs> Bye. Whatever people doing ships, like swabbing the poop deck or whatever. I don't even know what that means. Uh, it's you know, the deck summer... near the bottom. <laughs> like, that's where the poop, the poop is. Um. Anyway, I'm just teasing. Yeah, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, the the D and D book, goes into a lot of yeah. detail on how boats work. Yeah, I've read some of that. I'm just being silly, uh, oh. but not enough to care. I mean, it's a poop deck. Ew. Why do they call it a poop deck? Poop used to have a fun different name or different meaning. I refuse to believe that. It's fun to say. Uh, anyway. According to Wikipedia, in oh, naval no. architecture, it forms the roof of a cabin built in the rear aft part of the structure of the ship. The name originates from the French word for stern, la poop. <laughs> <laughs> from Latin, poopus. Oh. It was worth it to hear Alan say la poop. Now we can move on. It really was. Swab, oh, okay. Swab la poop. That's anyway. It's Wikipedia. You know, and Wikipedia never lies. That's so. true. <laughs> to do what is necessary if you discover that one of your own is, in fact, the culprit. You have my word, Captain. Mine as well. And my bow. <laughs> and my fish. <laughs> and my rapier. <laughs> you're, you're fired. <laughs> Clear out your desk. Valiant. Valiant. You said Dory. <laughs> I'm going to put all y'all's names together. Uh -huh. so Dory Faylana. Yeah. Just go um, down the list. Yeah. So Faylana. <laughs> Shut up. I'm sorry. I can mess up. Uh, and maybe even interrogate each other. But Brackle really wants to scream, where's Rachel in someone's face? <laughs> That's, Do it. Do it. You know? Maybe you'll find yourself to be more wise than intelligent. Maybe I will. Maybe Brackle is like a sage at the top of the mountain. Maybe Brackle is the friends we made along the way. Maybe Brackle will find Rachel. Maybe Brackle... <laughs> Is a ranger. Not so long as he's wearing hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> he took Elf his hockey pads. He took Elf. Where's the detonator? All right. So that's the question for the guy who exploded. That is a good I'll question see. for him, yeah. I mean, are we positive she didn't die of food poisoning? I don't know. I mean, it could be. Well, the bloody stab went on her chest. Like, know, maybe she was dying and someone just was like, you need maybe help. Maybe someone just <laughs> did her, you know, maybe somebody just... Uh, yeah, it just cut off the suffering. It's just too much. Just did her a kindness, you know. It was uh, just yeah. euthanized her. Uh, I mean, they are doing CPR, but they did it too hard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my I think you're supposed to stop. do this with a blade. This has got to end. Yeah, they, they did it with a knife, Alan. <laughs> Uh, hey everyone! Hey. I'm sorry for the sociopaths. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about. 